It's now time for On the Line with Cheryl Wilkerson. The conversation will range from local dialogue to international. This show is meant to enlighten, inform, and to inspire. On the Line with Cheryl Wilkerson begins now. Recently, Cheryl Wilkerson of the Fresh Start Morning Show held a roundtable discussion with gospel greats near and far. Today, you will hear part two of that discussion in anticipation of the upcoming PBS docuseries, Gospel. Check out Gospel, February 12th and 13th on WHRO Public TV here in Hampton Roads. Uh, Minister Peggy Britt, you know that song? A little bit. <laughs> Tell us A little about bit. that. What do, you, what do you know about that? I, uh, oh man, I arranged that so long ago, and uh, I just wanted uh, another generation to uh, know the words to that song yes. uh, because the words are very, very powerful. Uh, and hmm, unfortunately, we, we've gotten used to people just dropping the beat and not paying attention to lyrics, but I'm a very uh, lyric-driven writer, uh, so I wanted people to know lift and uh, lift every voice and sing. And sing. Yeah. Okay. All right, so today we're examining the relationship between black spirituality and sermons. That's because Professor Lewis Henry Gates Jr. has written and produced a docuseries, Gospel. Don't miss the program again. It's February the 12th and the 13th, right uh, right here in Hampton Roads on WHRO Public TV. I have so many questions for you all. I called on one of the directors of the show. Her name is Stacy Holman because I wanted to ask her, did she have to like keep her emotions in check when she was creating this docuseries? And I just wanted her thoughts on what what went into it emotionally for her, and here's what she had to say. Two songs we had with the choir, um, other songs were a duet between Felice and Corey Henry, and another with Felice and Alexis, and just hearing, I mean, it's one thing to, to hear the recording, but to hear that gospel sound live was, I mean, I wanted to just sit and listen to it over and over and over again and just, just get lost in it. Yeah, I asked that question because gospel music is powerful, it's moving. I mean, it can bring you from your deepest despair. So, Phil, as a music director, as a music, music executive, is that something that you keep front and center when you are thinking about whether or not to green light a gospel song? You know, it's challenging because I like to respect the, the songwriter, and, and some are more biblically sound than others. Okay. So, like, for example, like, I've worked with Donald Lawrence, and he's, you know, very biblically found in a lot of his lyrics and, and, and songs. As, and I've worked with Donnie McClurkin, very, you know, also as well. But then some of my more uh, younger artists on the roster may have a different interpretation. Doesn't make it bad. Mm-hmm. It's just I have to, just, I still make like to make sure I'll send it to, like, you know, maybe a consultant to make sure that just, Hey, is this is this in line with the word? Or even I've uh, utilized my own pastor. Like when I right. I did a gospel album with Snoop Dogg a few years ago, and even that was one that I was like I was excited about the opportunity because it was a bridge project to me, but I also wanted to make sure that everything was in line the That's way it right. needed to That's be. That's right. That's right. That's right. My bishop, Bishop Walker, Joseph Walker, I tell you, I've called him many times to say, Hey, Bishop, can you put your ears on this? I'm saying the lyric sheet. Can you just Make sure, and there's others in my circle that I've also leaned on just to make sure because it's important what we're putting out into the world as record labels. We can't just, you know, that's that's a, it's a great responsibility, and I take it very seriously. So. Wow. I, listen, can, can I just interject this, please? I, I have the utmost respect for you in your position, sir, because 
not only are you an executive, but you are a believer. Correct. You are the, uh, 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 a member of a church who pays attention to their pastor. Mm-hmm. And with all of that being a part of your consciousness as you're having to make those kinds of decisions cannot be easy. So, sir, my hat's off to you. That's Thank it. you, Pastor Brace. That means a lot coming from you, someone who I'm from Virginia as well, just I followed your career, and Missy and I have talked about you a number of times as well. So, yeah, I, oh, wow. thank you. That means a lot coming from you. Absolutely. I touched on this next question a little bit earlier, but I want to kind of dig into it. I've heard the elders say that the sermons and the songs of old are based on Scripture, whereas the contemporary songs of today are based on feelings. So if that's true, is one way right and the other way wrong, or are they both right or are they both wrong? Or who wants to their foot into that one again i'll just say if you will the the uh it depends on what house or where you are in my humble opinion again uh, uh for example uh we go through a lot of anthems here at norfolk State university with our choir we sing high feast anthems uh things that they would sing uh when the king or queen is being crowned and so forth but then that same text can go then from there to a wonderful uh, setting of a motet during the Baroque period, but then transitioning on now to then using that same type of harmonization with a an opening to a, a, a gospel selection that maybe Richard Smallwood might have arranged with a classical background, mm-hmm. then they can accept it that way because Mr. Smallwood has a huge classical cool. background. So okay. uh, again, I think... Um, but those it, are music students. Right, right. What about That's, the world? Uh, then then it would depend on the house and the upbringing from home all the way to the church the um the 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 line there it, it, it's not I don't think it's necessarily a right or wrong line mm-hmm. um because oh man I'm gonna get in trouble for this <laughs> um if if you are a believer and you have a personal relationship and you yourself are in your word guess what the word does the word makes you feel okay i'm with you a kind of way i can get that you understand Mm -hmm. and that's why the psalms are so are so uh so wonderful to, to to study and to meditate on because david will take you from the depths of despair to the mountain of victory Mm-hmm. And celebration, mm-hmm. and so when 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 you have uh, uh, a scriptural base, and, and I'm glad you mentioned uh, Donald Lawrence because I just love him. So many people um, do, um, <clears throat> and his approach. When you have a scriptural base, and then uh, you're able to wrap a great song around that scriptural base because you've been gifted to do so, then it's gonna make you feel a kind of way. Okay. And uh, whether that's a, a, a way of repentance or a way of joy, whatever that is, it's going to stir up some kind of emotion. And and that's what the whole industry, the recording industry does. It it gives us the what? The soundtrack of how we're feeling. Is that what you do, Phil? That's the goal. <laughs> Every day it. I walk into the office, it's the goal. And it's not an, it's not an easy goal to achieve. Mm-mm. Again, working with people like Donald and, and Pastor McClurkin and Fred Hammond and so many, and Kirk Franklin, like, 
it's, they have a certain grasp. But then some of my young artists, like Corinne Hawthorne, who I signed, she had a song called Won't He Do It. Although we didn't have a scriptural base for the song, it was still, she still sang Jesus in the song. She's not being ambiguous. Like some songs right. we heard, he and him, like she was very bold in her approach, but it was her interpretation and how she, as a, at the time, 18-year-old, communicates with God and just what he brought her through. So I can appreciate both. I don't think, to, to Pastor Britt's point, I don't think it's a right or wrong, but it's just, it's about the approach and it's about the feeling, but I'm, I'm a supporter of both when it's from coming from that right place though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When, uh, when Dr. Thornton talked about the streaming part, yes. I remember one time, maybe especially during the COVID, coming out of COVID, whenever COVID was, whatever COVID was, <laughs> uh, Jonathan, Jonathan McReynolds mm-hmm. would, would do an, Instagram live uh, oh, okay. he would do it like once every week and it would be a bunch of persons that would get up there and he would ask for uh, the listeners there to just give me a word that I can write a song off and they would just give him the weirdest words mm. but some of them and some of those persons there uh, if I may say <laughs> maybe a young lady or two were interested in Jonathan and and but they would give him a word and then he would turn that word into a song via the scripture, mm-hmm. and it was amazing. So then, then it's he would then like write from, do. exactly okay, right. right. So, <laughs> but he was using the audience to help him. What is what is it that that you all like? And then once you, if the word comes and they like it, then he would just immediately do a melody, create from that word, turn it into something scriptural based, and then everybody on the stream loved it. Said, "Would you all buy this?" Yes, and then he went on vault. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Did did mm-hmm. go ahead. Did something come from that i don't recall oh, okay. uh, yeah yeah i don't recall but i'm sure he, uh, he he stays in tune with a lot of his audience i know a lot with instagram at times mm-hmm. and he asks for those kinds of things a statement give me a, a sentence and he just writes something off Space of that right there. right there in front of you and I, I thought that was brilliant have you ever done it's that a- pastor Brett? uh yeah i did it at a uh <laughs> At a, a function that I, I served uh, for a women's function, and uh, somebody said something, and, you know, as a songwriter, whenever it hits you, it hits you, and you got to get a piece of paper, you got to get your phone, you got to do something, because you got you to catch it. Um, I think I got a whole lot of hits in the trash can, because uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't write it down. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um when you've been gifted to, uh, to write songs, almost anything okay. that comes your way, mm-hmm. you can you can tune it up. I am so amazed by that. Another producer of the show, Shayla Harris, spoke to me about whether things went as planned when making gospel, or did they have to pivot at any time to bring the whole project to television? We came up with some creative solutions to immerse the audience in those moments with these live performances by a choir and by these incredible artists and musicians. And and so we really hope that um, people will really feel the difference and feel that immersion in the experience. And so here's a question um, that it's a simple question, and we kind of talked on it. We kind of talked or danced around it before. But it's something to think about. Every time one hears a gospel song or hears a gospel sermon, should you always feel something? Should you always, should something come from you? The scripture says his word should never return void. In other words, his word will ultimately accomplish whatever he intends it to. But as human beings, 
do we really believe and feel that with every song and every sermon that it will move us? Because I have to tell y'all, I went to church Sunday, and the church is looking for a pastor. And so they had a pastor up there, and I was very excited about the pastor when I saw his credentials. Mm -hmm. But when I walked out, I was kind of well, flat. Yeah. Well, there, there's a lot that goes into that, and and it's not always you. It's not always them. It, it, it's it's something that is um, rather ethereal, and 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 more. Um, I think spiritual or spiritual and or emotionally based uh, because sometimes you'll get something and sometimes you sometimes you get something new. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you won't get something new, but you'll get a reminder of something that you already know. Mm -hmm. And I think the 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 way that our society is so hooked on instant gratification. Yes. Yes. That sometimes we look to. Uh, come out of the church uh, jumping across pews every Sunday. It's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that you didn't get anything because sometimes what you get is down the road. It's in you. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so important to sit under uh, under the word so that it can get in you. Is it going to work tomorrow? Maybe not. But what about uh, four months down the road when uh, somebody uh, cuts you off in traffic? Maybe it'll work that day. Maybe it'll work that day. Has <laughs> that, that ever day. happened to you, Phil, where you left and you're glad you went? You had a fine time, but it wasn't, it wasn't what you expected. Yeah, I mean, I think we've all been there. I mean, I, I, and I'm completely fine with it because every— I don't expect every Sunday has to be this big event. You know, sometimes it may be just a message that impacts me a bit differently than what I, you know, because of what I'm going through in that chapter of my life. So, you know, sometimes, you know, I went to Bill Winston's church in Chicago or Tony Evans in Texas, like, and, and it's more about the word. And again, there's a musical component as well, but I just, sometimes I really just want the word. And again, nothing against the music because it's a part of the overall experience. Mm, right. um, but sometimes it's okay. So when, it, you know, and sometimes it's a song that cuts through in a different kind of way, because again, what I'm going through or what I'm, uh, you know, have gone through or about to go through, um, it's just like, so it really just depends. But yeah, every, I don't expect, that's not fair to me. That's also not fair to the, to the church and the team there. It's just, it's not a, every Sunday you're going to leave on this, that's right. you know, mm -hmm this euphoria this high like yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, you know like every single sunday that's not that's not fair to everybody yeah that, that's that's what i meant you know you it, it, it's just not going to be like uh that that way every sunday sometimes you can leave and and you'll be crying and and you'll be crying all the way home in the car and you because it just has had that kind of impact but who's who's not to wait a minute who's not to say that that's that impact that you had at that moment is the result of those smaller impacts that you weren't even aware of that have piled up into that cry you understand what I'm saying? And sometimes that cry is a happy cry. Everybody assumes oh, yeah, it's a yeah. sad cry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's a joyful cry. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I talked to uh, Stacey Holman. Again, she's a director and producer of Gospel, which is coming up February 12th and 13th. Everybody needs to check it out on WHRO. And I asked her what specific stories she wanted to share within this series. Not really the lesser-known stories mm -hmm. that people don't really know or people don't really uh, aren't aware of, and specifically um, stories of women. Stories of women. So mm -hmm. let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. how important have Black women been in the in the church? 
uh, in the Bible. You got Sarah, you got Rachel, you got Hagar. The list goes on and on. But have you looked at black women as pillars of black spirituality? You asking me? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I am. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we have been um, the backbone and in kind of in the background, but not so much in in supporting uh, what our hardworking men do. And not only that, but some of the things that we even do on our own to add to the uplifting of our culture is I'm glad that that Stacy, I hope she doesn't mind me calling her by first name, that <laughs> uh, is is uh, uncovering that, so to speak, mm -hmm. because I think that is uh, some of the forgotten part of our history that should be exposed so that other people of this generation and beyond can begin to have the confidence to know that we are world changers. No matter how you cut it, we're world changers. Phil, how does that work within the industry of being a record executive? Is it men gospel heavy or is it women gospel heavy or is there a, a balance of the both? I think that varies from, you know, roster to roster. I've been very intentional in every every label I've been at at this point. This is the third one at this point. But at each each company, I'm very intentional about to make sure we have gender balance. Like, that's to me, it would be egregious just to have it, an all-male roster. Uh, but, you know, I like I said, I've worked with Shirley Caesar. I've worked with Erica Campbell. Um, when I was at Sony, I had, on the, at the same time on the roster, Leandria Johnson, Corinne Hawthorne, Doe, uh, Kiara Sheard. Um, but, you know, in the company before that, I had Karen and Brenda and Shirley and Eric all on the same roster. Now we have Tasha Cobbs Leonard and um, Evie McKinney and, you know, so, you know a, few, a few new signings that are not as well known. But, again, we have to be intentional. So, you know, it can be male-dominated in some ways. But, again, the, the women are the cornerstone of, and of gospel music and of this country and this world for that matter. Mm. So we have, it has to be reflective in gospel music to me. And that's not only the artist side, but also behind the scenes. Like I, what, whether yeah. you're a writer, like I have a number of, you know, songwriters that are women that I work with on a consistent basis, engineers, like it's not just to me, just one specific area. We have to be intentional. And then I must acknowledge that one of my favorite executives who really Blaze the trails in gospel music 30 plus years ago as a woman named Vicky Maglatian who founded Gospel Centric, yes. uh, which is why we know Kirk Franklin and Donnie McClurkin and Byron Cage and so many others. But that is a woman, but more specifically, a black woman who had a vision and really set out a plan and made significant strides. And is one of the main reasons I'm sitting here on this phone talking with you today because she laid the groundwork. Mm, I, listen, I thank you for mentioning her. I had the Great privilege of meeting her at a function that we had here a few months ago uh, for the uh, Gospel Music Alliance. Um, uh, uh, it wasn't like a convention, but it was a gathering. I, I don't mm -hmm. know. A what, gathering. Yeah. And uh, I had the, the opportunity to meet her. And uh, I just I, I love her and Claude and uh, definitely what she did as a female, as a black female mm -hmm. for gospel music, it was unprecedented. And I haven't, you know, seen it done since. I don't know. Maybe there's some others that are behind the scenes, but definitely Vicky is is a favorite of mine because she 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 kind of dug it out. 
Wonderful. She did. And with a staff of mostly black women as well, Pastor Britt, that, that was the other thing that was special about Gospel Century. A lot of the, not all, but the majority of the staff was all young, powerful black women that are still around in the industry to this day, but kudos to Vicki Maglatia. Exactly. Yeah. So this PBS special, it's entitled Gospel, if you're just joining us. It's dynamic, it's moving, it's powerful. What should the legacy of the show be? Director Shayla Harris had this to say. An appreciation for this extremely unique African-American art form that isn't just church music, but really inspired a freedom movement, has inspired pop culture, and um, really coalesces uh, how the African-American community has um, infused faith and hope into their journey. Into their journey. And um, just quickly, I want to slide in here, Minister Earl Bynum, he had some thoughts on legacy, and I want to, I want to, I want you all to hear what he had to say. The foundation of how it all started, and I think we have to look at that by going as far back as the late Thomas Dorsey, and then we went from Thomas Dorsey starting his convention and starting with the Precious Lord and the passing of his wife, and and writing that song. But then we have to include also the late great. James Cleveland, who started the Gospel Music Workshop of America. But then we can go over to the Church of God in Christ with the Clock Sisters' mother, Dr. Mary Moss Clock. So it's so many facets. So many facets that that we should think about when we are talking about legacy. And, you know, I I would like to hear from you, Pastor Britt. Mm -hmm. What should the legacy of gospel music be? Um... To I think it's so funny you mentioned legacy because the other ministry that I have that is financial services talks about the same thing about legacy. What does that mean? That means that for the next few generations or for the next generations, not even few, but for the next generations, there is a remembrance of what it has taken to get us where we are. And there is a a passion for keeping that memory alive so as not to lose what it has imparted Mm -hmm. to who we have become. Uh, That's very, very important. Financially, that's important for legacy. Uh, We don't talk about it a lot in our community, but I hope hope that we start. Uh, But musically, definitely, because this is something that has been inherent. I was I was talking to a guy who's producing a track for me now, yesterday, and he was talking about uh, we were we were saying uh, something along those lines, and what we were saying was the things that we were as a people born with, we have kind of taken for granted, and we have watched other ethnicities, no disrespect to them, uh, but to come in and to master what was natural for us. And so legacy, in my view, is very important that people understand where that came from, that it came from us first. We have to acknowledge that. Phil, in your line of work, what is the legacy of gospel music? Just continue to have create an avenue and an outlet to 
share the gospel on a global level. Like that to me, mm-hmm. personally, as well as professionally, is extremely important because as it was previously mentioned, gospel is the foundation for every genre. Let's start there. So whether you jazz, blues, country, rock and roll, R&B, hip hop, whatever, it, it all started with gospel. And that's something that I constantly remind my peers and our corporate partners. Like, So just making sure that we continue to properly resource support and just create a, a global platform for this um, this music that is not yeah it's gospel music but it's it's american music it's global music mm-hmm. and it's something that's super necessary to inspire the world and continue to provide hope so that's my desire and from a label side it's it's imperative we have to just keep it going and keep it resourced and keep supporting keep streaming keep downloading whatever if you still buy physical cds where you can find them whatever we can do to continue to support because it's important that gospel lives on because it has and, and it, it is the foundation for all forms of music and it's just important that we continue to keep it alive uh- I am so grateful, sir, that you are sitting in the seat that you're sitting in with the mindset that you have. I I, mm-hmm. I can't tell you. I, I hope to. What you to, expect? He's from Norfolk. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. But I I, I just, man, listen. Uh, and that's the I'm friends with Juwan, your son, Boo, as well. We go back from when I was a teenager. Just, he got, he could tell you about me. So just, Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That, of course, you know that's my guy. But, yes. Uh, her face is just as big as it can be. Yes. <laughs> but to have you to feel that way and to sit in the seat that you're sitting is going to make a huge difference in our legacy because uh, people that sit where you sit are able to um, to facilitate the fact that we will have legacy and that we will have the remembrance of what has happened so that we cannot let it go and keep that keep that passion going. So thank you for all that you do. Thank you. Phil is something else. Like I said, you know, he started here in Norfolk, and just to see him and his travels and where he's been and the lives he's touched, it is wonderful, just as yourself. I'm old school. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I like the old school way of things. Mm-hmm. And, and to see you all standing strong and, like you say, doing the right thing, that means a lot. You are in position. We are grateful that you are in position, mm-hmm. you know, because— you know a lot of the history. You're still doing your thing. Mm-hmm. You're telling the history. You're setting folks straight when they are <laughs> when they are not quite on point with the history. So we we appreciate all of that. Thank you. Yeah, we have had a great great discussion today, leading up to this dynamic docu series. I don't know how many times I can say it, but I'm going to say it again. It's entitled Gospel. It's going to be on WHRO Public Television, February 13th. 12th and the 13th, I should say. Mm-hmm. It is produced, it's written, it's hosted by Professor Henry Louis Gates, Jr. I want to thank Minister and Pastor Peggy Britt for being a part of this panel. Man, this this is this has really got my day off to a great start. To, to, to even be asked, I was humbled, uh, but to be able to share um, uh, my passion for this, for this genre, uh, for the people that listen, uh, and for for my co-panelists, yes, who have uh, come alongside to to share this, it's been a blessing. Thank you so much for having me. It has, Mr. Executive, Mr. Senior Vice President of Capital Records and Norfolk State alumnus, Mr. Phil Ford. So am I. Thank you very much <laughs> for joining this panel this morning. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to, you know, my Hot 91, Norfolk State fam. You know, it's, it's always, I'm, I'm here. So I'm grateful for to have this conversation and share this 
space and time with my co-panelists. But thank you. And I can't wait to see the docuseries. I'm really excited. I've been seeing some of the previews and hearing it, you, know, you all talking it up. So I can't wait to check it out. Absolutely. That's it. That's it. And for Mr. Terry Butler joining us here today in the studio, we thank him. On behalf of WNSB, our general manager, Mr. Maynard Scales, and the entire, when I say entire staff, I mean the entire staff, we want to thank all of the panelists and everyone who worked on this wonderful discussion. My name is Cheryl Wilkerson. This is WNSB Hot 91, the soul of VA.